to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to look around and see the people of God. What an awesome thing it is that you can come to church. Does anybody know how awesome that is? You know, there's, there's people around the world right now that have to hunker down in a basement. They've got just a fragment of the Bible, and they're, they're reading that Bible uh, with, with, a, with a candle lit, and they're praying secretly. How, how many know what a beautiful privilege it is to come to church and uh, come with your Bible and come sit in a sanctuary and be part of what God is doing, amen? And, and not only to be part of what God is doing, to be, be part of each other, amen? Isn't it awesome to see the family of faith? We haven't seen you all week, and... Uh, sometimes we may go Sunday to Sunday, or maybe if you uh, attend church on a Wednesday night, we see you on a Wednesday night. But I look forward to Sundays. I look forward to a, a Wednesday evenings where I can see the family of faith and the people of God. So welcome to the house of the Lord. What better place can there ever be where you can come and sit down, imagine this, and hear God's voice? <laughs> Sometimes I, I feel like telling people, take off your shoes for where you're standing is holy ground and how awesome that is to come. Today, I promise you, if you came with an open heart, you will hear the voice of the Lord. You will be empowered by that voice. And that voice is going to guide you and lead you through the week as God purposes to work in you to deliver his image to wherever God may be sending you. So amen to that. We're going to have an awesome time in the Word. Today is the last message in our inspired series and I think though in the weeks to come, I've been kind of looking through my notes and I know, how many know next, next Sunday is super important? Anybody know what next Sunday is? Don't forget your mama, man. You get in trouble if you forget your mama. And husbands, if you don't remember your lady, you in big trouble. But we're coming next Sunday. We've got a big program in store next Sunday. You're going to love uh, our program. We've got a lot of uh, little neat little pieces coming together how we're going to celebrate all our moms. So make sure you come out. Make sure you bring the family. We're going to have an awesome time together as we celebrate Mother's Day. And of course on Mother's Day in the evening we don't have a Bible study because I'm going to be with my mama and my wife and we're going to be celebrating Mother's Day all throughout the evening. But we're going to have an awesome time next week. But in the weeks to come I'm going to be in a series called Pastor's Peeves. Pastor's Peeves. Ooh, that's going to be rich, man. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to get down with the get down on that one. That's going to be good. And I'm, I'm going to actually point at some stuff that I believe uh, we might need to uh, focus on, right? Things that, that maybe uh, I'm going to show you some stuff that I think are going to help you to live more effectively for the Lord. I'm going to call them pastor's peeps. Amen. You're going to see uh, just how the enemy can move in and stir about. And how many know we can't give room to the enemy, right? It's that old expression, if you give him an inch, he'll take like 100 miles. <laughs> and so we're going to get into some really good uh, topics on that. So we're going to have some awesome time in the Lord. So I'm going to ask you to stand. As you're standing, open your Bible uh, to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 4. Uh, this message uh, I've entitled, This is That. This is That. And, and I hope that this message oh, is going to produce authenticity in your life. Uh, how many today say, Pastor, I want to be authentic in my faith? Right? Uh, I, I don't want to be hypocritical in my faith. I want to be authentic in my faith. And we're going to get into some conversations with that uh, uh, today in this message. This is that. Uh, this is, again, is the last message I'm going to call it the, the, the grand finale in this series called Inspired. And we're going to get into some conversations there. I know I'm going to bless you. And then when we get through, I'm going to want you to put your Bible ribbon on Acts chapter 2 because I want to go back here in a minute. I just want you to be able to flip your Bible over there to Acts 2 as I get into some conversations there uh, with Peter in Acts 2. And many of y'all know Acts 2 is Pentecost Sunday. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. But here we are, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. And I'm namely trying to get down, uh, namely trying to get down uh, to verse 8, but you'll see how this uh, works quite nicely as we read through uh, the book of Acts. Beginning here at verse 4, I'm reading from the King James Version of my Bible, and it begins like this. And being assembled together with them, commended them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Watch what the Bible says. But wait for the promise of the Father. Uh, I like that. Wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Then he gives uh, this definition, of course, out of Matthew 3. For John truly baptized with water, 
But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Now watch this, verse, verse 8, catch this. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now watch this. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Amen. Put your Bible ribbon on Acts chapter 2. Because I want to come back and read something to you at the very end. I just want you to be able to just flip your Bible. Or if you've got an electronic Bible and you can tab it or make a tab. or I, I know some of y'all are pretty functional with your electronic Bible. Just get ready to go back and touch that because we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. So let's pray. Are y'all ready to pray? So we're just going to put everything aside, all the things and, and, and duties and stuff. I know there's Sundays sometimes in and of itself can... I get a little busy and troubling. We're just going to lay all that aside that we might concentrate for the next 30 minutes or so. Uh, Father, we're here in your house and we're delighted to be here. Uh, Father, we purpose to be here. We, we, we left our homes and left all the stuff undone that we might come into your sanctuary to hear your voice. Uh, and Holy Spirit, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are going to take the voice of God, the mind of God, the heart of God. And you're going to convey it to us. Uh, you're going to give it to us so that we might plainly see what God desires to do in a dying world. Uh, so, so help us, Holy Spirit, to take in these things, these, uh, the, the verses, the thoughts, the meditations, and let them be uh, uh, pressed into the recesses of our heart, into our soul, into our mind, uh, that we might uh, uh, go out and, and yield a harvest a hundred times that which was sown. And so we pray blessing, help, and strength upon each and every one of us today as we go forward in this message, as we go forward in the Word, and we pray your purposes, your help, your strength, and we pray that in no other name than we can pray, but in that beautiful name we call Jesus, and we say amen and amen and amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. Listen, go find somebody right now. Greet somebody in the Lord, and when you greet them, I want you to tell them this. This is that. Go tell somebody and say, this is that. And as you're going about greeting people, will y'all go say hi to David Segura? He's in the house of the Lord today. David, it's good to see you, my man. Jeshua, love you, man. This is that. This is that. David, it's good to see you, my man. If y'all haven't seen David Segura, he's in the house. What a blessing to see you, David. Amen. Ethan, it's good to have you this morning, man. Thank you for being part of our worship this morning. Blessings to you, my man. How beautiful it is. How beautiful it is. Welcome, church family, guests, and friends, and family alike. It's good to see the people of God. It's good to see the family of faith. It's good to see everybody in God's house. It's good to be part of the thinking and the mind of God and the purposes of the kingdom. Amen and amen and amen to that. God is good. Look, look at your neighbor and say, God is good. <laughs> Touch him back say, he's even better than that. <laughs> he's good. God, God is good, man. God is good. How awesome it is. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor, going to take his time. I'm going to take my time. January 1st, 2023, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to this church prophetically. I shared with you what the Spirit of God gave me prophetically for this year to you. 
almost, could I suggest to you, even as a gift of God into your life. Uh, some of you may remember the passage, uh, Revelation 12, verse 11. If, if you don't have that written down somewhere, if you're new to Harvest Point Church, uh, I invite you to participate in the prophetic blessing God gave this house. Revelation 12, 11 is this. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. How amazing it is to know how good God is. I would suggest to you that God's goodness should be at least the enthusiasm that we share as we worship God. There should be. I got one clap, amen, and with just one clap, just one solo clap. You, you know, I would suppose that somebody might be uh, 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 glad in the goodness of God. That, that, that we would say we have been benefactors of God, of our belief in Christ, of our knowledge of the Lord. That we have benefited from Him. This is what it's called a testimony. I, I believe every one of us has an expression of God that has met us in our daily lives. As we could say, where the rubber meets the road. We all have an experience. It's interesting that over the years you have heard me say uh, that, that distinctly, I believe, culturally speaking, that, that the church is in a deficit. That, that there is an imbalance of our, uh, of our genuineness before God because most of us, as we participate in our relationship with Christ, most of us are drinkers, not eaters. And herein is the problem. Look at your neighbor and say, you drink too much. Touch your back and say, he's not talking about wine. He's not talking about no Jack Daniels. Let me explain to you that your experience with Christ uh, in the sacrament, you know, the church, uh, Jesus, Jesus gave us a sacrament right before his crucifixion. He wants you to do this to remember him until he returns. We do give honor to his death, but we also remember that he's coming back. Uh, so, so Jesus uh, gave a sacrament. It's, it's called communion. Where, where we participate in the drinking of his blood and in the eating of his body. Jesus said, unless a man drinks of his blood and eats of his body, he'll have no part of him. So you got to do both. Now, now, I say this to the church, and I've said this many years, that I believe most of you believe that you are forgiven, and rightly so. How many know today you're forgiven? I mean, y'all know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I mean, you, you're so secure in that. You, you, you know that you are forgiven. It's amazing that, that we understand that, that do you understand that, that to the Orthodox Jew, forgiveness uh, is, a, is a fantasy, or at least in the way that the Christian understands it. Do you know that we believe that we've been washed in the blood? As far as the east is from the west, so your, your iniquities, your transgressions from God. That God said that when I see you, I'll never recount your sins before you. They're gone. Somebody took your neighbor and said, they're gone, baby. <laughs> How many are glad your sins are gone? <laughs> I, I mean, you should be clapping now. Somebody should have took off running down the street. I'm so glad that my sins are gone. I don't even want you to think back what you used to do. It's gone. Uh, so thorough is that washing, the Bible declares that you are now a new creature. I wish I had somebody saying hello to that. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I just want you to get that. that that's, that's a mighty thing to say. And, and we've learned to drink from that. We've learned to participate in the blood. Uh, the problem is we ain't ate the body yet. Have you eaten from the body yet? Y'all are looking at me like, well, what is that? Could I suggest to you that your testimony gives evidence that, that, that his body has power? There's, there's both the power to forgive and the power to heal. 
let, 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 me, let me give it to you the way Jesus gave it to you. You know there's a story in, in, Mark, uh, in Mark 12, it's also listed in Matthew 11, uh, where, where uh, there was uh, uh, four siblings, and one of the brothers was sick of the palsy. He was paralyzed. And the Bible says that Jesus coming into Capernaum, uh, that, 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 that fame and his, pop, his popularity was spread abroad. And when he came to Capernaum, he went to a house to teach. And the Bible says that that, that place became so full of people, both inside the house and outside, uh, that these four siblings, bringing their brother sick of the palsy, could not get in. And so they just figured, well, how can we get our brother before Jesus? So the Bible says they went to the roof. The Bible says that when they got there, they, they took all the tiles uh, off of the roof. And as Jesus was teaching, they lowered down uh, their brother uh, uh, before the Lord. Uh, and there, uh, they lowered him down with ropes uh, on his mat right before Jesus. <laughs> the Bible says that Jesus looked at the boy and he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. What an interesting thing that Jesus said because, you, you know, in our culture, we don't find that to be an oddity at all. Uh, that story would not have taken place in our modern century because we all believe in forgiveness. You, you believe in the blood, you just don't believe in his body. Uh, see, Jesus lived at a time where there was already a system. You know, that, that there was a system, but the system never forgave you. It just simply covered things. Right. You, you know, the mercy seat in, in, in the temple was a place where a priest could come in on Yom Kippur, David told me, and, and he would sprinkle the mercy seat. So it was literally putting blood on top of the stain. But the stain still existed. But it was covered. It's called the mercy seat. They, they bring the boy to Jesus, and, and Jesus says to the boy, your sins are forgiven. Oh, that's radical. So radical that when John the Baptist was preaching it, they wanted to take his life for teaching that, that you could be washed. It's interesting that, that, that when the people heard it, the scribes there, they, 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 they stepped back and said, this, this man... He speaks blasphemies. The Bible said Jesus perceived in his heart, in his spirit, what they were meditating about. And Jesus said this. Well, what is easier to say? Son, your sins be forgiven. Or rise up, take up your mat and go home. I mean, which one is easier? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've ever really thought about your life and your sins, but you had a lot of them. Look at your name and say, I got a lot. I know there's a couple, you only had like two or three sins, but most of us, <laughs> most of us, uh, uh, could I suggest you had a sin problem, and that sin problem was dictating that you deserve death. That's what sin does. And I just want you to see that, 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 that you perceive, you, you believe that your sins have been washed away. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, as the Bible says, according to the riches of his grace. How many believe today that you are clean before God? I am clean. I am white as snow. I've been washed by the blood. Clean, I'm perfect. You can't get any more perfect than Jesus. And I stand in his perfectedness. Uh, uh, oddly, the church stands there only in blood, not in body. So Jesus wanted to clear it up. He says, what's easier to say, son, your sins be forgiven? Or rise up, tuck up that man and go home. He says, so that you may know that the son of man have the power to forgive sins. He says, get up, take up your bed and go. The Bible says immediately he got up and left. We're in a culture, in a generation that's not genuine in their faith. We're living in a time where we're not making sure of what was delivered to us. 
Uh, friend, can I suggest to you today that you have both the body and the blood of Christ? Yeah. That, that you are not only forgiven, but are powerful in his name. Amen. That that body represents the ability to do all that we need God to do. And you know what God's already done? He's already given you a testimony that it's sure. Do you, know, do you know that when you testify, the word testify, to, to, to testify of Jesus is literally in the Hebrew to say, God, do it again. Do you know that when you testify, you're literally saying, God, do it again. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to us distinctly here at Harvest Point Church that if you share your testimony, you will prophesy unto the people by which you testify. That awesome. And the Spirit of the Lord said that as you testify to them and prophesy to them, that God's going to revisit that goodness upon your life. So it was, a, it was a double anointing on the portion of our testimony. Do, do, do you know that you have a testimony? Do, do you know that when you witness to people, they don't know that you're forgiven? You say that you are. You're convinced that you've been forgiven. They can't see that, but what they can see is your testimony. Your testimony is proof that there's been a transaction with God. And the world needs to see that that, that transaction has taken place. And when you testify about how good God's been, when you testify how God did this and how God met you there and how God helped solve that issue and how, how God healed you when the doctor didn't have a remedy or, or a way by which you could be healed, you said, this is what God did. This is how he met me. This is, this is how God delivered me. And we say that to the world and they hear that testimony. And do you know right now that the world needs to hear the testimony of the believer to let them know just how good God is? How awesome he is, how mighty he is, how powerful he is, how kind he is, how good he is, how faithful God is. I'm talking to somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, baby, you got to testify. Listen, if you're not testifying, I don't even know if you're in the faith. How can something so good happen to you and you won't share it? Listen, testifying is witnessing, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, is how we show proof that something divine has happened. Something wonderful has happened to you. We've got a testimony. I pray you use it. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Use your testimony. Speak about it. You don't have to go to seminary to know your testimony. You know it right well for yourself. Your testimony is what happened to you. Can I suggest to you that something more has happened to you than your forgiveness of sins? And I thank God that you're forgiven. Look at your name and say, I thank God that you're forgiven. I mean, I, you know, hallelujah. Some people are very glad that they're going to heaven. I'm glad you're going to heaven. But how many know eternal life is having heaven here on earth? I'm already living my eternal life right here, right now. I don't got to wait to get to heaven to participate in the fullness of God. I'm glad you're saved. But do you know that you have something to say about that transaction? Has God not met you? Has he not helped you? Has he not been there when you called his name? Did he send you an answer? Did he help you? Did he deliver you? Did he do something in so much that you could say, my God lives, that Jesus is alive? Ah, I wish I had somebody. Yeah, look at your name and say, Jesus is alive. I can prove it. He's met me. He answers prayers. He's working. I have victory. Because God's already done it. It's in the church in the hour that we're really not being as authentic as we should be. Our authenticity requires not only do we believe that we've been forgiven, right? That, that, that we overcame him, what? By the blood of the lamb, but also by the word of our testimony. How many of y'all been testifying? Think about your private life. Think about, think about your conversations. 
I mean, you testify how good uh, uh, saltgrass steaks are. Uh, you, you, you testify about how nice your boss is. You testify about every brand, about everything but God. You testify how good the cowboys are and what you think they're going to do this year. Which if you talk to any cowboy fan, they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. But God, but God, what, what are you testifying in view of the image of God, of his goodness, of his graces, of his kindness, that you're already prophesying because you can see the hand of God somewhere, somehow? How, how many know that the distinction of God is that once you know him, you can start speaking into a matter, into a thing? How many know that God doesn't have to move in the thing long before you've already declared him to move because you know his character? You know what he does. You know how kind he is. You can already start testifying about things that haven't even come to pass. You can literally start walking in faith. The Bible says, no, faith is the substance of things not seen. I, I, I'm testifying even today of things that haven't even come to pass. Because I know how good my God is. I, I don't know, church. I, I, I tell you this. For years, I, 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 I'll tell you that we have not been the authentic church. The way that we overcome is that we testify. The, the way that we show a seriousness about who God is is we testify. The, the, the way that we acknowledge that something transpired in way of our salvation is that we testify. And brother and sister, you cannot be quiet and be a Christian. You, you cannot tell me the Spirit of God lives in you and you keep your mouth shut. It is impossible when you meet people, when you talk with people, you have to talk about the thing that's on your mind, that's in your heart, that you're all about. And let me tell you, God has been good to you. God's been good to you, more than good to you. He's been faithful in every respect. And I don't speak just of material things. God's been faithful to you. Listen, you got to testify. In fact, do, do me this favor. Get up, get, get, get up right now and, and go find somebody and just tell them, God's been good to me. Just get up and find somebody. Just so you can practice in church so that when you leave here today, you know what you got to go do when you go to the restaurant, when you go. Just get up and go find somebody, give them a hug and say, you know what? God's been good to me. Just, just say, man, look, God's been good to me. Just, just, just go grab somebody. Go hug somebody. Tell them, God's been good to me. Shane, God's been good to me, man. been good to me, man. Come on. And we pass it every time. Look at him and say, God's been good to me, man. Touch it back and I can say, I can see God's been good to you too. I I'm going to tell the church authenticity comes in three parts. Anybody here today want to be authentic in your faith? I want to be authentic. I, I, I want to be what I profess to be. I, 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 I want to be what God desires me to be. I want to be authentic. And, and that's why the Holy Spirit comes. Listen, can I suggest to you that without absence of the Holy Spirit, you can't be authentic to your faith. You, you wouldn't even know where to apply your faith absent of the Holy Ghost. Brothers and sisters, I want you to hear this. We have to be authentic. You need to be authentic. I, I, I don't want people uh, seeing our lives and we seem hypocritical to the very thing by which we profess the goodness in our lives. I, I want to be, be authentic. I just want to be authentic. I want you 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 to be the real deal. I, I want you to be genuine in your conversations. I, I want people to perceive in you that you know God and that there's been a transaction in your life. 
That this is not just some religious experience that we come to church, we bring our Bible, we come say hallelujah and amen, and then we go back to being what we were. There is a change, a genuine difference, right? That we are genuine because something divine has happened to us. And we're able to give testimony to that. I testify of the body and the blood regularly. Do you know that the body is the power of God? In practicality, in practical matters, in the thing. You understand that your forgiveness is something that people can observe in you. But they can see what God's done to you. That's his body. Do you know that the stripes that Jesus bore on the cross were evident because that you might see that God will heal you? I mean, you know, God heals. I tell people all the time, my God does miracles. And because I got an image of him and a knowledge of him, I can tell you where he's going to show up. I can actually point to the matter and declare the matter there and say, God's going to remedy that. You know how he's going to remedy Because I know his nature. I'm talking to somebody. I'm talking body, man. See, a lot of people don't know how to talk body yet. You can talk blood, but you can't talk body yet. You overcome the devil because one, you know the blood, and secondly, you know the body. That's your testimony. Every time we share it, people get to know that God still does what he says he does. And just because it doesn't happen to you doesn't mean it doesn't happen. You know, I am in a culture today that when it doesn't happen to you, you think something's wrong with God. I'm in a culture today that, that, that when they don't see it happen in their lives, they say, Pastor, I prayed for two years, three years, five years, ten years, and nothing happened. And you think because you prayed ten years, now God's a liar. I say it's your unbelief. My God's faithful. And Jesus' body is real. In fact, do this. Open your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I wasn't going to do this, but the Spirit's talking to me, so I'm just going to be obedient. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You know what? The next time you hear somebody preach, I pray that every pastor and minister, if you're hearing me, and you're a pastor and you're a minister and you're watching this message, because I got lots of pastors and ministers that watch our, our, our broadcast, watch our stream, and they'll say, Pastor, I heard your message. I appreciate you sharing what you shared. Uh, uh, pastors, friends, you know who I'm talking to. Uh, I, I'm going to pray that from now on, every pastor and minister adopts the way Paul adopted his ministry. Are, are you there? First Corinthians chapter 2, uh, uh, Paul says this. First Corinthians chapter 2, he says, and I, brethren... When I came unto you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. What do you say? Declaring what? The testimony of God. So I didn't come with fancy words. I didn't come to entice you with my vocabulary. When I was declaring to you what? The testimony of who? Of God. Somebody say, God has a testimony. Do you know his? I'm going to talk to you about being a witness. I, I mean, you, you got your testimony down and rightly so. That's your personal testimony. But do you got God's testimony? You see, I'm a witness. You see, well, how do you know you're a witness? Because I got the testimony of God, not just my own. I bear in, in, in my spirit two testimonies, one that belongs to me and one that belongs to God. And Paul said, when I came to you, I didn't come to you in excellency of speech of wisdom, declaring unto you what? The testimony of God. Now watch what he says. And I determined not to know anything among you. What does he say? Save Jesus Christ and him crucified. What did he say? I only wanted you to know the blood and the body. I only want you to know, I only came teaching you what it is to know his blood and his body. What else is there to talk about? What else is there to say? He goes, I determined to know nothing but the blood and the body. And he says, and when I came to you, I came in meekness and in fear. Look at this, and in much trembling. I watch what Paul says. 
And my speech and my preaching was not in what? Enticing words of what? Of man's wisdom. But in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Did y'all catch that? See, I didn't come to give you excellent speech. I came to deliver to you what? The spirit of God in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. But what? In the power of God. For the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of talk, but of power. I want you to see that Paul is saying that the body produces power. Your faith should be powerful, not powerless. Because we bear both the witness, right? Our testimony of ourselves and the testimony of God. Once you know the heart of God, you know what he wants to do in any given situation. Some of you know exactly what that looks like when somebody's in absent or somebody's gone, somebody's passed away. You know exactly what they thought and exactly what they wanted to do. You could fulfill their last wishes even in their absence. And God sends us into the world to say, do my will. You know what I want to do. You know what my heart is. You know what my mind is. I've given to you the mind of my very son that you may go out into the world to deliver to the world what my body produced in you, and that is power. Look at your neighbor and say, you got power, baby. The devil wants you to think you're powerless, but he's lying to you. You've got power. You say, well, preacher, how do you know I've got power? Jesus said you'd have it. He says, wait on the promise. Wait on the promise. Tarry ye here in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Well, what's the power for? What's the purpose of the power? To be a witness. You have the power to be a witness. <laughs> Let me say that one more time, somebody. Only probably four or five people going to get it, but that's all right. You have the power to be a witness. You have the power. Now, now. If you see somebody talking, they ain't got no power. They don't have the witness yet. Let me, let me say that one more time. We got a lot of people preaching, but they ain't got no power. A lot of people talking about theology and doctrine, but they ain't got no power. What's absent is they don't have a witness yet. The baptism of the Holy Ghost produces a witness. Why? Because that comes with fire. Somebody say fire. Okay, okay, you know, a lot of times in the church, you know, there's some people here. How many people here learn by seeing something? Anybody here, you, you got to see it, and then once you see it, then you can do it. Some people can just dream it, and they can do it, you know, but some people need to see it before they can do it. So, so do, you mind, do you mind if I digress for a moment here and, and let you see it? Anybody want to see what power looks like? It's going to digress. Because the Old Testament, the Old Testament is when God uses symbolisms or types, ways that we can perceive how the matter looks or how it would look like that we might draw from that inference to understand what's happening to us in the New Testament. Uh, there, there was a man by the name of Elijah that, that, that appears in the Bible out of nowhere. Uh, he shows up in the 17th chapter of 1 Kings. Y'all know these stories. Where all of a sudden, this man Elijah shows up before King Ahab, and he said, it's not going to rain for three and a half years or until I say so. So that's a bad boy right there. Now, now, now Dr. J and Richard, y'all remember we was in Ethiopia. How many know you could stop the rain? Oh, Y'all don't hear what I'm saying? You weren't there to see it. We stopped the rain in Ethiopia. We, 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 we turned the spigot off. Stop raining. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying? I'm not the weatherman. 
but I know somebody who controls the wind and the waves. I, I know the peace speaker. The peace speaker said, tell the rain to stop. We, we stopped the rain, at, at least for that night. It came back the following day, but at least I got a day in my belt, right? We stopped the rain. Elijah shows up for three and a half years. It won't rain till, my, till I command it to rain. And it was just as he said. The, the whole nation was in a, in, in, a, in a drought, in a famine caused by that rain because they had apostatized themselves. Elijah says it best. When he comes back at the end of that three and a half years and he comes back before King Ahab, he said this to the people. And I want you to hear this and I want you to take what he's saying and I want you to apply it to your life. Elijah said this. How long will you be between two opinions? If God is God, then serve God. And if Baal be Baal, then serve Baal. Brother and sister, listen, you, we can't afford in the culture and the generation and the time to be between two opinions. Either God is gone or he is not. Either he is who he says he is or he is not. And friend, let me tell you something. The world needs to hear that message and they need to hear that testimony. If you think things are bad now and things are bad. I don't, I don't even got to talk to you this morning in our huddle. We're praying for the people in Allen. Uh, much less the, the, the children that are in school. Uh, my sister Margo's always talking to me about the threat, the imminent threat, that somebody might come onto a campus. And she shared a testimony with us a few weeks ago how somebody tried to enter into her very room right off the street. A hooded man with a backpack. Right into her very classroom. What's happening is that we cannot be content that we've been washed from our sins. That, that, that is only a part of the picture. We overcome him not just by being forgiven, but because we are part of the body. We have the power to affect change. We can speak on behalf of God. We can point at a thing and say in the name of Jesus. And this is what we should be about. We have a testimony and we can declare it. My God is big. My God is able. We got a culture now terrified, fearful. But how many know perfect love casteth out all fear? Yeah, the perfect love we have from God. I want you to see that Elijah said, how long will you hope between two opinions? If God be God, then serve God. But if Baal be Baal, then serve Baal. And he says, I have a proposition. Let's, let's settle the matter. Pick you out a sacrifice. I'm going to get two, two oxen. You, you get one, I get the other. Make your altar. And I'll make mine. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. The Bible said it seemed right to them what he said. 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah showed up for the, 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 the challenge on Mount Carmel. Yeah. Who is God? Yeah. Do, do, do you know that every day I get up, I think today's Mount Carmel. Do, do, do you know that every single day of my life is Mount Carmel? Because I know that I'm going to encounter somebody betwixt and between. And I know that every day I get up, I'm going to prove my God is God. Yeah. Just as Elijah did, I have that spirit about me. That when I'm hearing stuff, I'm thinking, that ain't God. But I'm here to declare him. He says, okay. Let's find out who really is God. The God that answers by fire, he's God. It seemed right to them. So, so those 850 prophets cut up that oxen, built the wood, put the altar together, and they began to cry out to their God. From morning till noon, they cried out. Bible records 
No God answered. No God heard. At 12, they started getting a little desperate. The Bible says they started cutting themselves. The Bible says in there, blood uh, uh, gushed and, and flowed from their bodies. Still there was no answer. Still there was no reply. And then, and then Elijah started to mock him and said, well, maybe your God is on vacation. Maybe he's asleep or went far away and you've got to stir him up. And maybe. And they went from noon till evening. Bleeding. The Bible says that they even threw themselves on top of the altar as though they were willing to sacrifice themselves that Baal or Ashereth would send fire. But nothing happened. Do, do you know that Elijah and that generation said, I'm going to rebuild the altar? Do you know that that's what I'm purposing to do in my generation? We need to rebuild the altar. We need to rebuild the place where you worship. Most of us come and we're just satisfied that you've been saved. Hallelujah, you're saved. But there's more to God than going to heaven. I'm glad you're going to heaven. I'll see you in heaven. I don't know where you're going to live because it's a big place. Some of you are going to be on the outside, some are going to be downtown. <laughs> some are going to be on thrones. Some are going to be standing. Listen, I'm glad you're going to heaven. Look at your name and say, man, we're glad you're going to heaven. Give him a high five, I'm glad you're going to heaven. But there's more to God than going to heaven. We have to rebuild the altar. The altar here at Harvest Point Church needs to be rebuilt so that you know what you worship and why you worship. The Bible says that, 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 that Elijah reassembled the stones, the 12 stones that represented all of the tribes of Israel. That means it includes you. All the stones were rebuilt. He claved the wood, put the word. Cut the oxen, place the oxen on top of the altar. The Bible says that he dug a trench around that altar, a place where water could be held. Look at your name and say, hello, Holy Ghost. The Bible says, watch this. At the end of that evening, he says, everybody come near. Everybody come see this. Draw yourselves close. He dug that trench out with show, you know. He said, now let's fill up four barrels of water. People say, well, it's a famine. It's a drought. Where do you get the water? Everybody that showed up had water. Do you know that even now when I'm talking to you, the Spirit of God is stirring you? You, you? you think you're being moved by what I'm saying. What I'm saying is not moving you. The Spirit of God is moving you. Why? Because there's water on the inside of you. Uh, look at your name and say, you got water, baby. Let me tell you something. If you don't have no water, you don't belong to Jesus. If a man don't have the Spirit, he's none of his. We all show up here with water. We just don't know how to apply it. You, you don't know where to pour it out. So Elijah said, everybody, listen, we're going to fill up four barrels of water. And the Bible says, you know, a barrel, you know, anywhere from, from 20 to 25 gallons of barrel. And they poured those gallons over that altar, over that sacrifice. And they set the barrels back down and he said, do it again. Everybody had to come one more time and pour in from them personal stash. And they poured that water on the altar. And when they set the barrels down, Elijah said, do it again. So they poured that water and poured that water on the altar until the trench was full. 
Listen, church, I know the trench is full in here. I know that there's sufficient amount of the flowing of the kingdom of heaven in this place for us to fill that trench. The, the only thing left is when we command the fire. There's plenty of water. The question is, will we call upon the fire of God? Watch. Elijah, Elijah says this. All the people are standing around. And, and, you know, of course, they've gone all day trying to see what the prophets of Baal and Asher were trying to do. And then, and then Elijah simply looks up into heaven. He says this. God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Israel, let it be known today that thou art Yahweh. And let it be known that I am your servant. I've done all these things at your word. Hear me, God. Hear me, O Lord. That they may know that thou art God. Listen. Watch. That they may know that thou art God. And that thou hast turned their hearts back again. And the Bible says that when he finished that prayer, fire fell out of heaven. That fire came down upon that altar and consumed the, the sacrifice and it consumed the wood and it consumed the stones and it licked up the water and all that was left there was powder. Somebody say it was powder. The sacrifice was consumed. Somebody say the sacrifice was consumed. You don't know the rest of the story, but it got bloody after that. The Bible says when the, watch this, when the sacrifice was consumed and Elijah took out his sword and slayed every one of those 850 prophets at the brook Kishon, that the Bible says as he was slain, Clouds started to show up. The rain was about to be poured out. The water showed up in bountiful limits. This is the imagery that God gives to the church. Paul says it like this. I beseech ye therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a holy and living sacrifice unto the Lord. Yes. What is he saying? That you turn your heart back to God and you say, here is my life and you can have it. Where the sacrifice is consumed. You see, that Holy Ghost comes. Listen, when the fire comes, it's going to consume you. The intention is to burn you all away, to turn you into a powder. The rain might show up, that the water might flow. So now to the text. See, but perhaps you've been preaching. What about what you just read? The text. Yeah, the text. Jesus says, and after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall receive power to be witnesses. What? Unto me. To be a God witness. Do, do, do you know that the word witness in, in that text in the Greek is to say martus or maturos, where we derive the word martyr? Witness unto death itself. What does he say? And you overcame him, or you will overcome him by the blood, by your testimony, because you love not your life unto the death. Well, what death? Your death. A death you die every day because you have to pick up your cross. A death that we've been commanded from the beginning. Jesus said, if any man desired to come after me, he must deny himself and pick up his cross. Yeah. 
that that death is essential for that fire to fall in your life. Jesus said, I'm going to make you a witness for me. Y'all got that? This is when you sold out. This is when nothing's coming between you and God. This is when you say, my whole life is him. This is when you can say like Paul, my life is hidden Christ. This is when you can say, I no longer live, but he lives in me. Uh, these are the statements of somebody that's been pulverized in the kingdom because they want the fire of God to show up. That they say, I'll be weak that he might become strong. I'll be nothing that he becomes everything. Yeah. I, I, I shared something with my... Flip your Bible, Acts 2. This is what time it is. I got to stop. Look, I went five minutes past. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, be pulverized. be pulverized. I can't always finish right at 12. <laughs> Let me say, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Are, are you there in Acts 2? I want to read something to you. And I'm, I'm going to share this. So I, I wasn't going to share this, but the Spirit giving me, is giving me the okay to share it. I'm, I'm going to share something with you. This, this is kind of odd because I, I've, I've only, I only shared it just today with two people. Farmer Bears, we were talking about some stuff. I have never shared this before. All the years that I've been pastor, I've never shared this. But I'm going to share it with you. You're the church. You got to hear it. I'm going to say about 20 years ago when I first started pastoring, uh, I would sometimes during the day or at night or in the morning, I, I, I would, the spirit of the Lord would grieve me. And when he would grieve me, this is, not, this is not depression. I'm talking about being depressed. I'm talking about when the Spirit of God moves on you and he causes you to groan, to, be, to, be, to mourn. Because how many of you know in Christianity it's not always smiling? Sometimes there's, there's appropriate times where there's a, a process in your life where he causes you to mourn, to be grieved. And, and, and I would go through this grieving process, and what I'd do is I'd go into my prayer closet, and I'd pray for the church. And, and, and for years, I'd just pray for it, and the more I prayed, that, that, that thing would lift, and I'd keep going, and uh, it would happen again, and it, it would probably happen, oh, probably uh, maybe two times a month. And, and the more mature I got in the Lord, it would happen uh, maybe two, you know, three, four times. And then uh, over the last several years of my life, it probably happens two or three times a week. But over the last several years, the Spirit revealed to me what I was mourning about, and that helped me a lot. And, and, and the mourning that I had, the mourning that I had in my spirit was because the church is not itself. Let me say it again. The, the grief that I had in my spirit was because we were not what we were supposed to be or are not acting in the world as we should act. No, it doesn't mean you don't read your Bible or you don't pray or you don't love each other. But how many know there's, th th what we do here is the spiritual greenhouse? Listen, if we can't love each other here, you're not going to love your boss. If you can't pray for somebody here, you're not going to go out in the park and do it. You're not going to go to your neighbor and say, can I pray for you or can I help you? What we don't do in here, we most certainly won't do out there. And I've seen a lot of genuine love in the house of the Lord over the years. I've seen it. And I've seen some people get upset and angry and leave the church because they were offended too. And oddly, most of the people that leave the church are saying they're real mature, but they get hurt real easy. And I always say, how can you hurt dead people? It shows me that your flesh is still alive. You haven't crucified yourself. Because, you know, if you were dead to yourself, you don't even know you've been hurt. Come on, somebody. How many, when you were a kid, you grew up, you don't even know you were poor? You didn't know you didn't have nothing. The reason why you didn't know, notice it was something more prevailing was happening. You were loved. You had what was essential. So I'm sure in the culture and generation, we got to deal with people being hurt. As silly as that sounds, that's still what happens. We can't be hurt. 
if we're whole in Christ, we can't be hurt. Somebody say hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't be hurt, baby, if you're whole in Christ. And if something does happen, what do we do? We come back and we say, forgive me. Or I forgive you. How many say amen to that? The Bible says, if you know a brother have all against you, leave your arms there at the, sacri- at the altar. Go back, make it right, then come back. Right? Doesn't mean you go and never come back. I see a lot of that. I see a lot of people go and we never see them again. But I would be grieved for the house of the Lord. And the Spirit told me that the reason why I put that grief on you was because I want you to participate in the heart of God when the church isn't acting as it should act, as itself. But it got that right, right? We have to be who we're called to be. We have to be authentic. Look at them and say, you got to be authentic, man. Come on now. Now, I understand there's people in here, maybe you're new to the Lord and you're still growing. We give you all the room to grow. I, I realize some of the things we're going to talk about that, man, you know, I understand you're learning faith. But some of y'all been here a long time. Look at your name and say, you've been here a long time now. <laughs> you ain't no spring chicken in Jesus. Uh, this is what I would call grieving the spirit. Y'all catching this? So you have your Bibles there with you, right? And I want you to open this. Open your Bibles. I want to read something to you. I I want you to hear this because this this is that. This is that. Now, we know that in Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit showed up what? As fire. And, and, and everybody that was in the room, 120 people in the upper room were baptized in the Holy Spirit and with fire. This is what John said. Once coming mightier than I, who's latching of a shoe, I'm worthy than tie. And when he comes, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. He's talking about Jesus. Never before did the disciples ever quote scripture. They had no understanding of the word. I told you that the Holy Ghost is the great teacher. It just so happened that when the Holy Ghost fell and the fire fell, people thought that that the disciples were drunk. And so the accusation came, look at these men, these spiritual men, these people that say they're Jesus freaks. All these guys are drunk. Peter said, no, 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 hold on. Jesus stood in the midst of them and said, no. These men be not drunk with wine, seeing that it's only the ninth hour of the day, right? Uh, 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 only the, it's, it's, it's nine o'clock. I, I say the third hour as they keep time in Roman days, in, in the Roman uh, clock. And this is what he says. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, seeing that it be the third hour of the day. Verse 16. But this is that. Let me say it again. But this is that. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, and I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out. Out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. He said, This is that. This is what it's supposed to be like. This is what God purposes to do. This is that. Every blood bought. Every sanctified believer, every child of God that's been baptized in fire knows that this is that. What, what area of your life have you seen that you've said this is that? What, what problem have you seen this week that you didn't point your finger to and say, this is that which the word speaks about? 
This is that which God wants to do. This is that which God wants to heal. This is that which God wants to correct. This is that door. This is that open door. This is that closed door. This is the way. This is what God wants. This is his mind. This is his heart. You see, Peter knew right away that this was that. And it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the outpouring of that baptism, that, that, that purging, that fire that completely obliterates the sacrifice. That reduces the sacrifice into a powder. It pulverizes it. That the rain can appear. That saturation can take place. Friends, all this past month I've been speaking to you about an inspired life. And I want you to stand just for a moment with me. Just stand. I want to speak a few more words and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn you loose in the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to let him do what he does. I'm going to let him do what he does. I'm going to let him work as he works. I'm going to let him shape you as he shapes you. I pray that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. For this is your reasonable service. This is only reasonable that we, like Elijah, we rebuilt the altar. That we come back before the Holy Spirit and say, send fire. Send fire. That your precious rain, that times of refreshing may appear. Friend, you know what your life needs? It needs refreshing. It needs, it needs a showering. It needs an overflow. But just like Elijah, everybody has to come in. They gotta, we gotta, church, we've got to fill the barrels with our water. Each one of us collectively has to come and say, Pastor, here's my water. And, and, and brother, sister, here's my water. And, and before you know it, we fill up these barrels. And we saturate that altar. God so loves to see the confidence. Oh, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, those people that were hearts were turning back to God, they had to express confidence by giving up their very water. They're in a famine. They're in a drought. They're giving away the very thing by which they would drink from and trusting that if they gave it to God, God would give it back again. So they poured out their waters one by one. They each came. Can you imagine? We, we don't talk about this in the miracle on Mount Carmel, but one by one, those Israelites came and they poured their private water, their, their private stash, their, their water jug, their water pot, and they poured into the barrel. One by one, they all came. The altar's ready. It needs water. Can you, can you imagine the confidence that Elijah had when he said, I'm going to pour water on the very thing that requires consuming? It seems like an oxymoron. But, but the Spirit of the Lord gave us this as a window, a, a visual image, so that you might understand it with your own eyes, that we each have to come. If we're going to be an authentic church, we have to come and put our water on the sacrifice. Listen, let's rebuild the altar this morning. I, 